Howdy, I'm Troy Allen, pastor of First Baptist Church in College Station. Just want to say thanks for clicking on this week's sermon podcast. I want to encourage you once you're finished to take a look around our website to learn more about our church, find out about our worship times, and also to look at the daily devotionals that are provided for you to go along with this week's sermon. As always, we want to encourage you to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to keep up with the latest of what's happening here at First Baptist Church. Here Now here's the sermon. And if you got away from home and don't have a Bible with you, that's all right. There should be a red or black hardbacked one there in the pew rack, either in front of you or just underneath your seat. And you can always use your mobile device as well. We encourage you to use the Version Bible app because you can actually uh, see today's focal passage and outline and have a place to take notes there uh, as well. So 2 Timothy chapter 1, as we talk about those who have gone before. Isaac Newton said, if I have seen further, it is by standing on the shoulders of giants. And for every one of us, there are uh, people that we consider to be giants in our lives. Those who have helped us to get to where we are or be what we have become in our life. For some of you, it may be a teacher or a coach. Maybe it was a a tutor or a mentor. Uh, It might have just been a, a friend who always had the right thing to say at the right time. For some of us, it's our parents or our grandparents. It's those people that uh, upon whose shoulders we stand, uh, they have so much uh, credit for where we are today. And so this morning, I want you to think about those people for just a minute. I want you to think about the people who made some kind of investment or impact in your life that caused you to be the man or the woman that you are today. Maybe it's the profession that you have chosen to pursue. All right, just think about those folks for a minute. Now, let's think about those same kinds of people who had that level of spiritual impact on your life. You see, we don't get to where we are spiritually by ourselves. It's because someone has helped us get where we are. And there are spiritual giants in our lives. For for you, it may be a a Sunday school teacher or a a youth minister or a children's minister, a BSM director or a pastor. It may be uh, just a friend who was the first person to talk to you about Jesus. Maybe it's your parents or your grandparents as well. Either way, we are where we are on our spiritual journey because someone has helped us get there. And these spiritual giants are the people who have encouraged us uh, to go, who have have pushed us and inspired us to uh, further our walk with Christ. These are the same people who many times have prodded us from behind when we have begun to lag in our spiritual growth and vitality and move us forward. You see, for some of you, that comes from your family. You come from a long legacy, a long lineage of faithful followers of Jesus Christ. But for others of you, you may be the very first person in your, in your family who has ever become a Christian. Either way, we have people who have helped us along the way. And that's really at the heart of what Paul was talking about in 2, in, excuse me, in 2 Timothy chapter 1 this morning. As he writes this letter, uh, this passionate letter to his friend and his mentee, Timothy. He helps Timothy to remember the great faith that he has as he is leading in the church. And so I want us to turn our attention there this morning. 2 Timothy chapter 1, I want us to read together verses 5 through 7. I would encourage you as you are able to stand with me today in honor of the reading of God's word together. And this is what Paul writes to Timothy. He says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and then in your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells also in you. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. 
For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power, of love, and self-control. Let's pray together this morning. God, thank you for this word, a great reminder uh, of not only what you have done for us, but what you do through us. God, I pray this morning that as we are thinking about those who have gone before us, who have helped us on this spiritual pilgrimage to get where we are, Lord, I pray not only that we would think fondly of them as Paul does Timothy, but God, that there are some who would be even thinking of us today. That it's not just those upon whose shoulders we stand, but those who may be standing on our shoulders. And so, God, I pray that as we, as we focus our attention this morning on, on your word, God, I pray that we would be a people of sincere faith. God, a faith that, that is easily observable to those who are around and a faith that is, has a dramatic impact on the lives of those that we come in contact with each and every day. And so, Lord, I pray this morning as we humbly uh, come before your word, we are ready to be taught by your word and by your Holy Spirit. And so, God, we are moldable, we are shapeable uh, now in your hands today. We pray that, that you would speak to us and teach us and transform us uh, more and more into the image and likeness of your son, Jesus. And it's in your name that we pray these things. Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys. Y'all can be seated. And so as we, as we look at this, I think there are a couple things that, that uh, Paul makes a point of pointing out to young Timothy. The, the first thing I think is simply this, is that we are to pass on a lively, inherited faith. We need to pass on a lively, inherited faith. Paul says, I'm reminded, Timothy, of your sincere faith. And so Paul takes note here of the sincerity of Timothy's faith. And so that word really means the, the realness of it. That, that is, as Paul is, is reflecting back and, and thinking over all that he has observed in Timothy's life, he's reminded of a real, of an authentic, of a tangible kind of faith. In fact, the word that we use for sincere there, sincere there really means without hypocrisy. It, it means a, a, a faith that is genuine. Okay, And so what we see is that when our faith is sincere, that our faith is going to be solid. Uh, a sincere faith is a foundational kind of faith. It's a kind of faith that, that is ready to be built upon, right? There's more things that we want to add on top of those things. And, and so as, as that uh, faith is, is to be built upon, it's obvious, right? Paul is not having to struggle here to think back of the things that Timothy has done, but they just continue to pop into his mind the things that Timothy has done. His faith is obvious, right? And so Paul is taking hold of these memories that he has of Timothy, the things that he has done, the things that he has observed as Timothy has lived out this sincere faith uh, around him. And as, and as Paul is doing this, he's doing it with fondness, right? When you were thinking about the spiritual giants that have gone before you, I noticed that as memories of those persons came to mind, there was a, there was a fondness of them in your heart. And the way that I know that is because some of you began to smile as you reflected on those spiritual giants in your life. For me, one of the persons that I think of most fondly is, is, was my adopted grandmother, Eloise McDonald. Uh, my grandmother's died before I was born, so I never really had one until I was about seven. And Eloise was a great friend of our family. And I just went to her one day in my seven-year-old way, and I said, Eloise, would you be my grandma? And she said, yes. And uh, so we began to form this relationship. And I remember just the hours that I spent in her home, the, 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 the hours that we would spend playing cards together. The, the meals that we would share. She makes the best beef stew you have ever eaten in your life. In fact, when I was 13 years old, I ate 12 bowls of it at one sitting. All right? 
they were small bowls, okay? Don't judge, all right? But the thing that I remember most is her passionate faith for the Lord Jesus. She was so faithful, served in so many areas in our church. She's the one that taught me the importance of praying for your neighbors, the people that lived in her same apartment complex. She knew them by name. She prayed for them often. The thing that I, I guess the most vivid memory I have of Eloise is right by uh, in, in, her, in her living room on her end table sat her Bible. And, and this was not a show Bible, all right? This was not a pretty Bible. This is a Bible that was beat up and battered and worn. You opened the pages and they were all wrinkled and, and they were highlighted and they were, you know, there were ink marks everywhere and notations and all of these things. And, and it was sitting in that little apartment that I learned what it meant to be a faithful follower of Jesus. I observed what it meant to pray fervently for the people who lived around me. And I learned what it meant to be a lifelong student of God's word. I stand on the shoulders of Eloise McDonald. She went to be with the Lord several years ago. But her, her impact on my life will be forever be remembered. You see, it's that kind of faith that Paul is talking about regarding Timothy he says, Timothy, I've observed this great faith in you. But, but it's not just a faith that's on the outside. The things that, that I get to observe, Timothy, are the things that are really from this indwelling faith within you. And so Paul takes Timothy on a journey kind of down memory lane. And he says, look, Timothy, the, the, the faith that I've seen in you, the sincerity and authenticity of your faith is the same kind of faith that I saw in your mother Eunice and in your grandmother Lois. Right? These, these two great, stalwart, faithful women in the life of Timothy. Now, you may be sitting there this morning scratching your head going, all right, well, what happened to all the guys? Like, where were all the men in Timothy's life? And the thing is, is that, that Acts chapter 16 tells us that, that Timothy's mom was, was Jewish and her, her, his dad was Greek. He, he was a non-believer. He, he worshiped at the temples of gods and goddesses and sacrificed to gods who were not real and did not exist. But, but Timothy's mother faithfully passed down her faith to her son Timothy. In fact, it, it's believed that, that Eunice professed faith in Christ under Paul's ministry while he was teaching in Lystra. And so this same faith is now being passed on from one generation to the next. There is this long legacy of faith that we observe in Timothy's life, and it helps us to see the importance of a spiritual lineage. Now, now, if you're a parent this morning, I, let me just talk to you for a second. Because you're going to pass down all kinds of things to your kids, right? There, there's mannerisms, right? It's so funny because Paige will say that when my dad and myself and Hudson are walking together, like we all, we walk the same way. Like from behind, right? There's mannerisms. There, there's certain phrases that you say that are really kind of in your family. Maybe inside jokes or just words or wisecracks or things. You can pass those down. There are certain ideologies, ways of thinking that you pass on to your children. Now listen, some of the things that you will pass on to your kids are really good things. But there are also some things that you will pass down to your kids that are not so good things. We won't talk about that this morning, all right? But here's the thing. Let me just say this. If you are a parent and you are a follower of Jesus Christ, listen to me. The most important thing that you will hand down to your children is a sincere faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? Your name is important, but the name of Jesus is greater. And so as a follower of Jesus Christ, the most important thing that you're going to pass down is this sincere, lively, and living faith. 
And, and so Paul talks about how this faith dwells within Timothy. It's on the inside of him and it oozes or it comes out. And so we find that a faith that dwells is one that leads to dwelling in the lives of other people. And so Paul takes Timothy a little further, a little closer into more recent history, and he says, Timothy, remember that, that this gift that you have, right, this sincere faith was also given to you by the laying on of my hands. And so what Paul is doing is he's reminding Timothy of how Paul commissioned him, how he set him apart to go and lead the church in Ephesus. And really the first place that we read about this in, in the New Testament is Acts chapter 13. Because in Acts chapter 13, the Holy Spirit speaks to Saul and to Barnabas in the church of Antioch, and he says, set apart Saul and Barnabas for the things that I have for them. And so the church at Antioch, being a, a faithful and God-fearing church, did just that. They, they set Saul and Barnabas apart for the mission that God had called them on. And so they would go and they laid their hands and they prayed over Saul and Barnabas, and then they sent them out on what is now known as the first missionary journey. All right? And so what, what Paul is doing is he's saying, Timothy, in much the same way as I was sent by the church of Antioch, God has called me to commission you and to send you out to be the church of the pastor in Ephesus. He says, listen, Timothy, you are to live your life in such a way that your vibrant and living faith is obvious. Okay? And so for us as followers of Jesus, whether you are part of a long lineage of faith or you're a first generation believer, the calling on your life is exactly the same. It's the same as what Paul does to Timothy there, and it's simply this, that we are called to live in such a way that our vibrant and living faith is on display so that it might come to dwell upon the, in the lives of other people. And what I love about what Paul does here is he says, Timothy, I'm sure of your sincere faith. He says, I'm, I, I'm sure, I am confident. There's this assurance that he speaks about. And, and, and that word sure simply means this. It means persuaded and confidently convinced. He says, Timothy, I am, I've been persuaded by what I have observed in your life, and I am confidently convinced of your sincere faith in the Lord Jesus. So I want to just pause for just a second right here, okay? And, and I want to ask you just two questions, all right? The, the first question is this. As someone observes your life, okay, can they come to the same conclusion about your faith that Paul comes to regarding Timothy's sincere faith. Okay, So if someone is observing your life, will they come to the same conclusion about you that Paul comes to in concluding about Timothy's sincere faith? And then to follow that is simply this. Is the way that you are living out your sincere faith in Jesus done to such a degree that it is obvious to the people who are watching, but not only that, that it, it leads them to wanting to profess that same kind of faith in Jesus? You see, because our calling as disciples of Jesus simply is this, to pass on a living and lively faith. So Paul continues in verse 6, right? And he says, For this reason, or because of this, I remind you, Timothy, to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. And so the second thing that, that I want us to, to see this morning is this. Let us keep growing God's gift. 
Let us keep growing God's gift. Paul says, because I am fully convinced of your faith, Timothy, a faith that has been passed down and passed on from generation to generation uh, that have gone before you, you continue to grow in your faith. You continue to fan into flame that work of the Holy Spirit. And so Paul's just simply trying to encourage and challenge Timothy to keep moving, to keep growing. And that word, the, the, the phrase there is to fan into flame. It's one word in the Greek New Testament. And the word simply means this. It means to rekindle. Okay, to rekindle, rekindle the flame, to reignite, to um, reactivate that flame that is within us. And so, in essence, what Paul is doing here is he is exhorting Timothy to keep on growing God's gift in himself. And as he does, to keep growing that gift in the lives of those to whom Timothy is ministering. And so one of the ways that we continue to fan into flame the gift of God is by sharing that gift, all right? And so you grow the fire by spreading it, right? And so whatever you are passionate about, man, that is the thing that you are talking about. Now, I remember when I was uh, an elementary school kid, uh, when when we would go to church, we wouldn't go to church very often when I was in elementary school. But when we would go, I remember going to our classroom, our, our, our little chairs were set up in like a semicircle and, and there was, you know, the, the, uh, uh, you know the, the bulletin boards where you could stick up all the little figures and all that kind of stuff. But I always remember at the beginning of class, we would always sing a couple of songs. As a second and third grade boy, this was not my favorite thing to do, by the way. Singing was not fun. We sang a lot of different songs, but there are two songs that always have stuck with me. One of those is the song Kumbaya. If I ever have to sing Kumbaya again, it'll be way too soon. The other song was a song called Pass It On, right? Some of you will remember that. It only takes a spark to get a fire going, and soon all those around can warm up in its glowing. That's how it is with God's love. Once you experience it, um, You've spread his love to everyone. You want to pass it on. I remember that. I mean, it's been a few years, just a couple since I was in third grade, okay? But I remember that song. I remember singing that song. And it's such a beautiful picture. It captures exactly what Paul is saying to Timothy. He is saying, Timothy, fan into flame. Pass on this passionate, sincere, authentic, real faith. And so as we share the gift of God, which, which is God's forgiveness of sin through his grace made possible by Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, we are fanning into flame this gift of God. Now think about this with me. In Acts chapter 1, there's about 120 believers. This is where the church started, okay? And and those 120 believers were praying for God to, to, to do the things that only God could do. And so through that, the Holy Spirit comes in Acts chapter 2. Peter begins to preach. People are being saved, and we just kind of see this. So now, like 2,000 years later, Okay, right now there are 225 million Christians in the world today. All right, that doesn't say how many we've had in between there, but 225 million, about 31% of the world's population. And so what that tells us is that those who have gone before us have done a really good job in fanning the flame of God's gift. But it also encourages us to keep fanning the flame of God's gift, to continue to kindle and stoke and reignite that 
fire. And so we see that a sincere faith grows as it is passed on. The great thing about the word that Paul uses here for uh, gift of God is that it's the word in Greek charisma, right? Charisma means gracious gift. And so when you think about somebody who has charisma, you think about somebody who has like an infectious personality. They, they, they are charming in a very positive way. Uh, they have a, an impact on the lives of, uh, of people. They, you know, all of these things come to mind. But, but here's what's most interesting is the word charisma, gift. The very beginning, the, the, the word that that word is built off of is the word charis. And charis in Greek is the word grace. So think about this. Fan into flame the grace that God so graciously gives us into flame so that it overcomes and overwhelms your life. Okay? Now, grace is such an amazing thing. Okay? But because there are times that we as believers need to be reminded of God's grace. Right? And it's not so that we can just go and live life however we want to. That's not what grace is about. Grace is not just saying, well, God will forgive me because he's God. All right? Paul writes about that in Romans 6, by the way. He says, should we uh, sin all the more so that grace should increase? Absolutely not. But here's where grace is so helpful to us as believers. That, that when we fail, right? when we sin, when we mess up, we rediscover the endlessness of God's grace and how his forgiveness abounds. And so Paul reminds Timothy of how he is conveying this gift, how he has commissioned him and laid his hands on him to lead with authority, to be fearless and to be faithful in his leadership of the church in Ephesus. This was a tremendous responsibility for Timothy. Right? I want you to think this morning about a time when you were entrusted with a responsibility that was far beyond your ability. Something when, some, a time when someone came to you and says, I'm trusting you to do this thing, and in your mind you're going, there's no way that I can do this. Right? For some of you, it might have been the time that your dad handed you the keys to the family station wagon and says, I trust you not to break this. Right? For others of you, it was a time when your boss came to you and she said, look, I have this project. I need you to finish this for me. Maybe for others of you, it was when you were standing in a place much like this, hand in hand with the love of your life. You looked into one another's eyes. You exchanged vows and promises to love one another till death do you part. You gave rings and you entered into a marriage covenant together, a responsibility that was far above your ability to hold it up. Okay, that's exactly what Paul is doing with Timothy here. In each one of those instances, and, and even the ones that you may have thought of, there was a time that somebody came and patted you on the back and said, I believe in you. I believe that you can accomplish this thing which is so much bigger than you. That's what Paul is doing when he reminds Timothy of how he was set apart for God's purpose. He says, Timothy, I believe in you. Timothy, I trust you. I, I am depending on you to finish this work that God has started. But the greatest news is not that Paul stopped right there. You'll notice in verse 6 there's not a period, right? There's like a comma or a semicolon or something like that. Because verse 7 says this, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power of love and self-control. And I think what God is exhorting us to here is simply this, that we are to live by the Spirit of God. 
And so, in addition to God giving this gift of grace, He also gifts us with the indwelling presence of Himself through the Holy Spirit. And so, in that moment, when you profess your faith in Jesus Christ, you confess Him to be your Savior and your Lord, the Holy Spirit enters into you and comes over you to be your leader and your guide and to be your helper. And so, God gives us this gift, this charisma of the Holy Spirit. And since God gives us this Spirit to guide us and lead us, then it would be really good for us just to you know, live by the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And so here's what happens when we live by the Spirit. Paul writes in Galatians 5, 25, he says, and if you will live by the Spirit, then you will walk in the Spirit. Well, what does that mean? It means I will keep in step with, right? I will follow closely behind, and my walk will emulate that of the Spirit that goes before me. Now listen, what I'm about to say is the most important thing that I'm going to say this morning. Okay, so you, you need to hear this. The things that you allow in your life will affect how you live. The things that you allow into your life will affect how you live. And so God gives us His Spirit to affect how we live. And so this thought helps us to see that God's Spirit is a gift to us. But it's not just any gift. Right? There are some gifts that are bad gifts. This gift that God gives us of himself is one that is not only satisfying, but it is surprising. Right? There are some gifts that are neither satisfying nor surprising. In fact, I read an article this week. Y'all have heard of the group Groupon? Groupon's an online coupon source that you can give really cool stuff for. They did some research, and they said this. This being Mother's Day, they said that 40% of moms will fake their reaction to their Mother's Day gift. All right? So you got to watch your mom close today because when she says, oh, I love it, you got to think, is she one of the 40%? I needed one of these. Does she really? Because honestly, how many more coffee mugs, world's greatest mom t-shirts, or your Pinterest fails does your mom really need, right? The beautiful thing is that God's gift is nothing like that. God's gift to us is, is truly surprising and truly satisfying. It's the best gift ever because it is the gift of himself. And so Paul just says, look, God, God did not give us the spirit of the world. The spirit of the world is a spirit of fear. It's a, it's, a, it's a fear of failure. It's the fear of missing out on things. It is the fear of not measuring up. It's the, it's the, the fear of rejection. Man, the spirit of the world is a spirit of weakness. And Paul says, look, that's not the kind of spirit that God gave us. Now, the, the, the gift that God gave us does cause us to have a biblical fear of God. And here's what that means. A biblical fear is simply this, a high and holy reverence and respect and awe and wonder of our creator. It doesn't make us afraid of God, but it makes us respect him because of who he is. And so Paul says, look, God did not give us a spirit of fear, but he gave us a spirit of power of love and self-control. So let's talk about these really quickly as we close. All right? So God gives us this, this spirit of power. What that word means is the, it's the spirit of, of enabling. Right? God gives us the power, the might, and the strength to accomplish that that he lays out before us. Right? He gives us the might and the power and the strength to do what his word says. And so think about that. God gives us might and strength 
and ability. And some of you are thinking, I'm going to take this spirit of power. I'm going to walk into my gym today and I'm going to outlift every dude in there. Sorry, it's not that kind of might and power and strength. But here's what it does mean. It means that God is going to give you the ability, the power, the might, the, the, the strength to fully obey what he calls you to do. All right? Now, the thing is, is that's just one facet. God didn't want to just give us unbridled power. He couples that power with love. He says God gives us a spirit of love. The love that Paul talks about here is an unconditional, grace-filled love. It's the kind of love that comes only from our Heavenly Father. It's the kind of love that, that forgives and heals hurts. It's the kind of, of love that uh, rights, wrongs. It's the kind of love that restores and brings things back together. It is not a selfish love. It is a selfless love that is motivated and driven by God's grace. And that kind of love, the spirit of love, comes only from our Heavenly Father. And what that means is that it's perfectly pure, it's perfectly right, and it's perfectly perfect. And then there's one more facet that Paul talks about. He says that, that we have this, this spirit of self-control. I really don't think self-control is the best way, though, that that word is, is rendered because it puts a lot of emphasis on self, on me. And, and Lord knows that if I'm in control of anything, it is chaos, right? The, the word there, though, really means sensibility. God gives us a spirit of sound judgment, right? Another way of talking about sound judgment is wisdom, all right? So God gives us a spirit of wisdom. Well, what's a spirit of wisdom? A spirit of wisdom is what protects us from doing stupid things, okay? I'm in need of the spirit of wisdom every day. So God gives us a spirit of wisdom that comes from him. And so as you follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, here's what happens. You become less consumed with self, and you become more concerned with the Spirit, okay? That's why I think sound judgment's a better way of, of rendering that word. And so the Bible is filled with references to wisdom. Like, there's a whole book dedicated to wisdom. It's called Proverbs. Read one a day, right? You can do that. Read one proverb a day and get through it in a month, right? I love the way that it begins. Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord, the reverential respect of God, is the beginning of wisdom. And so if we want wisdom, then we must come before God in a reverential uh, respect and awe of Him. And as we do this, here's what happens. We become less concerned with self and more consumed by the Spirit. All right? And so this morning, man, I want you to be encouraged. Just as Timothy was when he read these words from the hands of Paul. Because look, there are those who have gone before you to and inspired you to do these great things that you are doing. Right? Maybe that's professionally, but even more so spiritually. You can look back on the men and women who have had a profound impact on your spiritual journey. Right? You are standing upon their shoulders. They have modeled well to show you how to love well and to serve well, to follow well and to do well. But don't forget that part of leaving a legacy is living a life that is worthy to be copied. Right? Paul tells the church in Corinth, follow me as I follow Jesus. Man, for Timothy, it was Paul and Eunice and Lois. In my life, it was Eloise and Shermie and Barbara and Dan and Shannon and Paige. And now that's being passed on to Hudson 
and Graydon and Zoe. Whose shoulders are you standing on this morning? Maybe the better question is this. Who's standing on your shoulders? Hey, thanks for watching. We hope that you'll stay tuned for next week's podcast. And uh, feel free to look around and find previous week's sermons uh, available here as well. We hope you have a great week.